Guys, thanks for listening and tuning back in for another episode on the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. Today, we got Zach Adams with us, who is a sports physical therapist at True Sports Physical Therapy. He's had an awesome start to his career. He's about two and a half years out of graduate school and is already running and growing one of our most popular clinics here in Baltimore, Maryland. He has some really great insight to share in how you grow in your career, some of the things that he expected coming out of graduate school and how he prepared for those, but also that which surprised him early on in his career. He has done an outstanding job of growing within this company and in the profession. And I think there's so many golden nuggets here for you guys to hang on to. Um, as always, let us know what you think and please, Enjoy this conversation with Dr. Zach Adams. Welcome back to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. We got Dr. Zach Adams with us. I'm thrilled to have you here. Are you nervous at all being on this podcast? I am indeed a little bit nervous. Okay. Do not be nervous. This is just an easy conversation for our one or two listeners that we actually have subscribed to the podcast. So no worries. We're just having a conversation. But I'm excited to have this conversation because I want to know, I want you to jog my memory what it's like to become a physical therapist, to prepare for the boards, and then all the way to where you are now, two and a half years in, running an entire clinic and growing a clinic and what that's been like for you. So answer for me this. How did you prepare for your board exams while you were working at True Sports? I think that working while preparing for the board exams helped me kind of coordinate my day and it gave me a little bit of break from just living in the books. And I think it it tapped into my experience at Lebanon Valley College where playing football into grad school, um, having a little bit more structure when it's I can't procrastinate, I can't wait to study. When do I find the gym? It just transitioned into now I'm working, I'm treating, I'm reading about orthopedic issues. I'm putting that into practice. Uh, a good reminder to yourself as to, hey, I just did three years of school. Uh, I can do this. I'm actively doing this. It's just another checked box while I study. Yeah. And, and you make a good point. Some of the skills you learned as a college athlete, you're just applying those skills professionally. You're in undergrad and then into grad school. You're playing high-level D3 football and trying to juggle getting both your undergrad and then graduate degree, your doctorate. You were already used to juggling things. Walk me through how it was similar when you entered the professional atmosphere. It, it was very similar in that the, your teammates now just become your coworkers. Um, the The time frames are the same. Like you have blocked meetings, so those are now become your treatment slots. You have your your practices, your game schedules, your your prep for the games becomes your prep for patients. Your day-to-day -day feels there's a lot of carryover in that. Uh, I, I definitely think that it, it helped to prepare me. The I'm probably not drawing the best clear lines to that, but I think overall the the biggest similarity is just the the preparation so your your day-to-day -day, you know i have to check xyz i need to prepare for x i can't do anything about y but i know from this time to this time that's that's where i have to be and then z i can prepare a little bit for that and then the rest is is kind of off the cuff so so i'll do what i often do which is um i disagree with your comment <laughs> of you're not drawing direct lines or parallels because you're doing exactly that. And it reminds me of a phrase that 
uh, my financial advisor always says, which is business is business, right? And so as you prepare for a given session, it's just that it's preparation, right? So you prepared for a game, let's say, well, now you're preparing for a patient, you prepared for a bigger game, you're preparing and readying yourself for your board exams. It's the same thing. Business is business, right? And so you're you are drawing direct parallels from your graduate school education and experience to your professional experience. In your two and a half years since you've been a doctor of physical therapy, a practicing doctor of physical therapy, what shocked you coming out of grad school that you weren't necessarily prepared for? I think the the thing that I was most surprised by was more how to navigate insurances. <laughs> that okay. was that was something that you you talk about briefly in school, you talk about your documentation. But now the real world application of that is like, I'm writing this awesome plan of care. I am doing my objective measures. They're hitting some of them, not all of them. I think they're medically appropriate to continue. Yeah. We're getting shut down and navigating like, okay, now I need to do peer to peers. What's my process um, through that like? I think that was the most th the, the thing that surprised me the most when I'm taking the didactic and then putting it into clinical practice. Okay, so now flip that a little bit. You're talking to graduate students today. You're leading that class. Outpatient Sports Rehab 101. You want to teach them how to prepare for that peer-to-peer -peer with insurance where you're fighting for your patient. Um, how would you educate the new grad as to how to handle that? I think a lot of it is confidence in you need to walk into that peer to peer, have your objective measures in front of you, the ones that your well-written goals, your smart goals that you're mm -hmm. writing, um, have those in front of you as a reminder. Cause during the conversation, they could say some things like, I just don't believe that that's necessarily the case. And you can say, listen, this is something that we've tracked from day one. They have objectively gotten five degrees better. Mm -hmm. Here's how we're going to get better moving forward. Here's why they can't do that at home. Here's where my expertise comes into play and play towards your strengths. You just spent the last three years gathering all this information. Now you need to disseminate that to a peer yeah, and apply who, it. who thinks that they can do that on, on their own. And yeah. you need to justify, really advocate for yourself um, would be my, my biggest recommendation for that. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a really good recommendation and a good way to think about it. I think new grads often have an imposter syndrome. They think they're kind of playing a role of PT, but they're not really a seasoned PT yet. So how can they, what do they have to stand on to make their case? I think that plays into some of the preparation, um, preparing for that meeting that you touched on to say, I'm going to be ready to make that analysis, that assessment and relay that succinctly yeah to to the insurance world um so i think that's really valuable one of the things i struggled with and i still struggle with massively is managing my treatment schedule i have all these patients if you're working in a good clinic you have 45 minutes to an hour or so one-on-one -on -one. if you're working in a mill maybe you have 20 minutes um it's always been hard for me to stay on schedule um be ready for the next patient that's going to walk in how do you manage that as a new grad as, as a new grad and even through my, my clinical rotations, I 
think it is invaluable to spend the extra 25, 30 minutes before your day, even if that person no shows you like that's good practice to prep for them. And you're not writing out your session. That's not what my preparation consisted of. It's if they come in and they are feeling this way, these are the exercises that I think they're are going to challenge them the most that are hitting our goals for that session. If I'm throwing a curveball, you know where you're going. Mm -hmm. How can I build regress from that mm -hmm. so that we're still working towards the the exercises that we want to get to? Yeah, yeah. And so you make a great point there. Your goals for the session, and this is where I would encourage really all PTs to put on their strength coach hat to say what energy system am I trying to challenge with this session? And then within that framework of that goal, you say, okay, here are the few exercises that I know I can pull out or can adjust to achieve that same goal. So maybe it's bothering their knee a little bit. Okay, I'm going to change the exercise a little bit. How am I going to do that? And still trying to challenge them, whether it be aerobically or anaerobically, something like that. So you have that laid out. I saw you do that just a few hours ago when you walked in a few minutes before your day started um, and really mapped out. And I saw you taking notes like you always do on your laptop. Of, I got this patient at, say, 7 a.m. I'm here at 645. I want to accomplish the following goals from 7 to 745. Here are a few paths I can take to do that. I, I witness you doing that today. So you're definitely practicing what you preach as it pertains to that. Now, you came on two and a half years ago. Walk me through what those next few months were because so everyone who's listening understands, Zach, you came on as a staff physical therapist. You had I, you know, illusions of grandeur that you wanted to one day run a clinic. You wanted to grow within a company and in your career. So walk me through the path you've taken to your role today as now a clinic director two and a half years in. I think the the first step of that process kind of builds from that that preparation for each patient was how in six months from now am i going to be a better clinician than i am today what's the answer to that how, how do you do that i think it's treating every single patient as your own case study i think too often we fall into like we see a, a common diagnosis like an ankle sprain and you're like okay i could treat that with my eyes closed don't or in session how can i rather than I know I could give them a different exercise that may get to the same goal, but how can I modify the exercise that I'm currently doing so that they can do it and know like this is the goal we're working towards and that's going to help you kind of build your arsenal of exercises so that in six, eight, 12 months, it's I, I'm now getting more complex patients. I know how to adjust on the fly mm -hmm. that preparation doesn't hurt that uh, adaptability is is key in your beginning clinical growth in my opinion um i think also it's important even though you just took your boards uh i was pretty quick to try and jump into some con continuing education and it was a good shift for me early on where it's okay it's no longer classroom someone's speaking at me i am nervous about the test yeah much like this podcast but sure. now now you can just embrace the conversation, embrace the the information that's being taught to you, and then really run with it. Yeah, yeah, and re and really be present there to to understand what it is that's transpiring. How did you know when you were ready to take someone under your wing 
Because I think that's the hallmark of a clinic director is beginning to teach others and demonstrate to others. When did you really feel confident to be able to do that? Confident, I think, came from my preparation before got much shorter where it was, okay, these, I know these people, these are the exercises I want to get to. I've, I'm comfortable with all of the evals coming in, um, comfortable in my, my clinical judgment with that. I think that's kind of, and work, working with some of my colleagues who had students and being able to have them watch me, um, talking with colleagues where you're growing your own, your own clinical knowledge that kind of boosted my confidence to say, I'm ready to take a, a more mentorship, uh, leadership type role. And I think that comes with a lot of vulnerability and that you have to embrace that you can't know everything. And over over the course of of my tenure as <laughs> clinic director i think that's been my favorite aspect is learning where my weaknesses are how can we help each other to get to our goals collectively yeah yeah and that, that's one of the things i've admired about your career path is your ability to roll with the punches and god knows you've hit some speed bumps along the way towards your clinic directorship but it, but it's worth diving into those so Zach, you came on, I think you were hire number one in in one clinic, um, and then we made another hire. And so now you had a clinic director and you were one of two staff PTs. And I think we even brought on a third and we're like, we start to see Zach show signs of, hey, this guy can be a clinic director. And one of those signs was your ability to handle adversity. Now, sometimes that comes up in session. A patient just has, let's say, anterior um, knee pain coming out of an ACL, we saw you beautifully adjust clinically. Okay. So we're going to take a step back from loading quad because it's bothering his knee. Let's hit his glute today. Let's kind of, um, come back. Maybe after we do some recovery stuff, calm the knee down, come back to the knee. Professionally speaking, we had you in a clinic where we were partnered with a gym and the gym all of a sudden sends me an email saying, hey, um, we're failing on our lease, so we're going to close up shop. And so we were left now with an entire clinic to ourselves, much higher overhead because of that for a few months. Then we transferred you to a different clinic and said, Zach, I'm telling you, next time we have a clinic open up, we'll move you to that clinic and you'll be clinic director there. Um, Your ability to just roll with those punches and just be there for the opportunity, be present for that opportunity, that opened my eyes as CEO of True Sports. It opened Tim Stone's eyes as COO of True Sports to say, hey, we really got something here. Andrew Livingston, who's our regional director, we're all watching you, Zach, really handle these bumps and and hurdles unflappably, like really calmly. Where did that come from? How do you know how to do that? I think that ties into more of my athletic background and also leadership background in sports you can't control everybody you can't control everything but when everything hits the fan and Mm -hmm. it's not going your way you can't control how you how you react to it um in in the sports world it's managing injuries managing people getting in trouble on your team in the clinical world it's hey i have to move clinics which you talk about as adversity. I think it was a, a blessing because it really helped me to get exposed to more clinicians 
who are fantastic clinicians that helped my clinical growth exponentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it, it ties a little bit into the athletic world and, and also academics as well, where it's, I was never the student who could never study and get all A's. So I had to work for it. And there were times when I was looking at the classes going, Oh man, I, I like don't know how I'm going to get through this. Um, how do I manage my time? Cause there's a class that I'm crushing right now and a, a class that's, Hey, I need to spend a little bit more time on. Yeah. Prioritizing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like you were really good at prioritizing that. We definitely saw that. Um, your ability to, kind of calm those voices in the back of your head that are constantly rolling. I know that they are and still deliver every single session. And we know it because we're constantly pinging our patients to say, how's your session with Zach? Did you get better? Was he attentive? You know, what were some of the struggles and how did you overcome them? We, with, without fail, heard outstanding feedback on you. So you were also able to manage what you could control. And in those given 45 minute blocks, you were controlling what you could control, which was the one patient in front of you and making them feel like a million bucks. And I think that really shines a bright light on, on how you have grown so quickly. Thank you. Yeah. And no problem. Um, and so now that you're running a clinic, one of our busier clinics, um, a place called Bear Hills. Now you've had to grow that clinic from the bottom up. Tell me what was the hardest part about starting a brand new clinic by yourself? Hey guys, quick pause and a quick shout out to this new masterclass that we just launched here at True Sports Physical Therapy. Myself and Dr. Tim Stone put together a masterclass of ACL rehab and we call it from table to turf. And the reason we call it that is because it's going to teach you exactly how to get your athlete all the way from post-op day one with the nitty gritty of regaining all of that range of motion with the tips and the tricks that we use here at True Sports Physical Therapy that gets our athletes better, faster, and stronger. And that's early. And then how do you progress that athlete all the way onto the field with a ball in their foot or a stick in their hand or whatever their sport is and teach them how to accelerate, how to decel, how to change direction, and all the mechanics that go in there. What drills do we use to get our athletes exactly where they need to be back on the field and even better than before injury? And I want you to sign up for that class. Now, you can find it on our website. You can shoot us a direct message and just say, hey, send me the course. It's right now on sale, so make sure you sign up now. It is fully accredited to get you all of your continuing education hours. Sign up for the True Sports Masterclass ACL from table to turf. Thanks, guys. I think the the hardest part comes in, you need to trust the process, right? So there's always that that beginning phase that I feel like if if you're interested in regardless of sector of business any business that start where it's oh my gosh how is this how is this going to work you have all of these aspirations Mm -hmm. how do i put them into fruition that kind of take a step back what's step number one right we need to market Mm -hmm. how are we going to do that Mm -hmm. not just oh yeah we want we want to treat all athletes how are we going to do this like no we sat down collectively made a plan and then started to put it into action and i think the beginning just that everyone has it that that fear to step off the porch i say it like i think that was kind of the the most challenging just to kind of suppress that and then once that first patient walks through the door once you really start to see oh my gosh i have six evals today it's like 
Okay, now we're rolling. We're rolling. We're rolling. Yeah. Um, and I just went through this in in another location of ours, sitting down with the clinic director, where he's already got like a nice base, but breaking down that strategy of how you're finding referral sources, how you're developing those referral sources and relationships, dive into that. So once you you had a couple days where you're treating and every session is great to, to some extent, um, how did you section off your referral sources and start to identify, here's where I'm going to get patients? I think it one look at looking at your current case so like hey who who is already helping us and how can i help them mm -hmm. and then it's where do where do you want to go to so that that was probably the next step just because i i like to look further and then kind of take a step back and go okay break that down how am i getting there whether that's if it's a physician mm -hmm. is it an email had i treated any of those patients okay i have treated two of them they went awesome fantastic. Let's just reach back out, see if they're still there. Um, how can I help them? Can I get in front of them? Them being the referral source. The yes. Them, them being the, the physician. And while you're kind of mapping through that process or, or even just thinking like, Hmm, it's been a while. I don't, I can't remember anybody offhand in the moment. Look around in the gym. We're surrounded by trainers. Um, every break that I had rather than sitting there typing notes, um, getting ahead on documentation, you, you kind of actively seek out like, who can help me? How can I help them? I'm seeing somebody roll their ankle in a, um, a training session. Where are they going? Why aren't they coming to me? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, like I'm available. I'm here right now. How can I be in front of them? How can I talk to them? What are you doing this weekend? It's like, Oh, well, I'm going to help with the camp. How can I help you with your camp? Yep. Um, I think that kind of plan structure and then where you branch from there is, mm -hmm. is how the recipe to, to building that, that first. Yeah. And, and you're describing prioritization, right? Like the notes will be there when you're done with your patients at 7 PM and maybe the gym's empty. That's when you write the note at 10 AM when the trainer is there and you don't have a patient, instead of writing the note, what is most important at that point in time? It's to be in front of the trainer. You, you've been so good at that, at making yourself available to the trainer that's in the gym, but also in a Saturday morning camp. You're just going to show up. And maybe nothing comes of that being there, but maybe it does. And if it does, you're going to reap the reward because you were there. So it's it kind of goes back to that, I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going to be there and make myself available. Um, give me some examples of those instances where you said, this seems like a long shot to get a patient, but I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I think it was a, a camp, a football camp that I went to over the summer. Um, it was two years, uh, yeah, two years ago now it was, I was looking at it. I was like, oh man, like I, we can't, it wasn't, quote unquote, direct marketing for the clinic I was at, I was like, I don't really think this is going to amount to any patients coming to me. Mm -hmm. Turns out every person that I met there two and a half years later is still in my phone and actively talking to them. And that has led to more like the network that I built going to that was much more beneficial than the, the individual or multiple patients I could have gotten from there. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you, where do you learn that networking skill? I think that the 
Honestly, I saw it a lot in you and Andrew. You guys were excellent at marketing. I went back my first one. I don't think I said a word because I was just mesmerized by watching you guys network, bop around, um, talking to everybody, how those conversations went. And, and I tried to emulate some of that. Um, and then you got to put your own twist on things, right? So <laughs> yeah, what's your twist? I think my big, I can't give away all my secrets. Give away all your <laughs> secrets. That's why we're here. <laughs> I think the biggest twist that I have is I would much rather prefer direct face-to-face -face conversations and getting in front of people. So when I meet somebody, it's can we try and get back in front of each other rather than text communication or like Instagram messages. I'm not the best on social media, but <laughs> I'm working on it. The <laughs> um, So I think that's, that's kind of the twist is try and get in front of them and then how you're, I don't know. I try and do everything with a smile. So I, it's like more just your nonverbal communication is yeah. let your personality show through in those. I yeah. think that that's more of the twist. Well, well, you're great at that because it, that's what works for you. And I think it took you a second to realize I, I'm not this therapist. I'm Zach Adams um, and I'm better one-on-one -on -one in their face. So I'm going to make myself available to do that. We have therapists on our team that are far better at the DMing, right? Yeah. At virtual marketing, at, at social media, things of that nature. And it took me a while um, as a business owner to realize it doesn't, it doesn't matter how the therapist succeeds, just that the therapist succeeds. So if Zach's better at one-on-one um, -on -one in-person communication, great. What, what do I care if he's not sending DMs as long as he's generating it another way, right? Yeah. And same thing, vice versa. A lot of people get, get scared getting in front of a microphone and being nervous in the middle of a conversation. Um, and they would rather send a text and they would rather send an email. It, it doesn't matter. You got to find out what works for you. Yeah. Some of that's trial and error. Most of that's trial Most and error. Most of that's trial <laughs> and error. Absolutely. And I think it's like, where do you feel comfortable? Um, and how do you put yourself in those positions you also did a great job of surrounding yourself with with other like you said clinicians but mentors or co-workers colleagues that that allow you to have kind of a, a wide-reaching view to see here's how another therapist does that let me try that on maybe that works maybe it doesn't um i think that's another strong point that that shouldn't go unnoticed is you have to continue to look at what everyone else is doing to figure out, Hey, maybe there's something there. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so sometimes, you know, that kind of lands coming out of LVC. I don't know that much about the program. Was there any type of business education? In undergrad, there was, <laughs> you took I a took business a, class in yeah, undergrad, I took a business class. Okay. Um, and if you had to do it all over again, how would you change your, your preparation for graduate school? I don't know, like didactically or yes. my first define the word didactic, like educate classes. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would, if I would change too much of my, my undergrad didactics and class work. I tried to structure, I, I maybe did it a little bit different than some other people in that I, I was constantly taking summer classes to try and offload my fall semester. Um, 
and spring semester if I could. But in terms of, I don't think I would change classes and I would encourage you if you can, if that's achievable for you to do, um, really embrace the classes that you have. So I, when I knew I was starting to get into more exercise science based, um, the anatomies, the physiologies, those are the ones that I, I spent the most time on and I didn't have to worry about writing the 15 page paper, yep. um, which I think that's probably why I wouldn't change too much about it. I wish I had more business experience going in, but I don't want that to take away from the experience that I had in there. And I, I thought about that when I was in undergrad um, I'm a very hands-on learner. So when I took the business class, it, it seemed all hypothetical to me, mm -hmm. um, very abstract. Um, so the applicability, when I, when I ask some of my, my business colleagues who were, who were taking classes and they were actively in internships, it was like, well, that makes total sense to me, but they're also putting in the real world. Mm -hmm. So that was something I kind of put on the back burner and, and was hopefully am actively seeking out how to learn more about it now. Yeah, once you're out. Okay, yeah. so let me push back a little bit on that because my my path was similar to yours in that I was a kinesiology undergrad degree and it taught me movement science for the most part. It was biomechanics, it was anatomy, it was some of your basic sciences. And looking back, those are prereqs to get into graduate school, to physical therapy school. But when I got to physical therapy school, I was uniquely suited to just be good at that stuff. And then what do you do when you get to grad school? You learn it again, right? You, you learn those movement patterns again. And I just feel like I could have studied that for the first time in graduate school. But now once I'm done with graduate school, I only have one skill set. Yeah. And so... I knew nothing about business. I had no idea how to run a business. I, I, I didn't know anything about anything except basic anatomy. I wasn't even a good PT. It didn't even prepare me for that, right? I, I still had to learn how to be a PT. So had I had some basics, whether it be econ or intro to business or something like that, I just felt like I would have been far better off or Maybe a, another nuance to what it is we do for a living, like athletic training. Like, why didn't I study athletic training in undergrad? Uh, how much that would have helped me. So, so I always say, thinking back, I wish I would have sprinkled a little bit more from my undergraduate programs to give me a wider breadth of skills and then narrow it as I head out of graduate school to get better at, at that skill. Maybe that would have helped me a little bit. I certainly understand doubling down or on your strengths and, and learning the physiology and the pathophysiology as you go through. You got to be good at that. Um, it, it's just worth considering. How do I supplement those that core curriculum instead of just doing core, 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 core over and over? What do you think about that? Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, maybe it's the liberal arts education, but I did have some other things. Yeah. I mean, my core classes were all the sciences, but yep. I, I definitely agree. There were some things that I wish I had a broader scope on um, in preparation for, for becoming a sports PT. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know if 
me looking back now, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I don't know if I would have been able to grasp or even make all that's of that applicable. That's why we have this pod. So, that's why we <laughs> yeah. have this pod. So we can try to look back and make it better for the, for the next generation. But it's, I just think it's worth considering. And maybe it's not. How about this? Maybe maybe it's not. Uh, I'm going to be a business undergrad degree and then get my doctorate. But maybe maybe it's your kines undergrad. You're getting your doctor to physical therapy, but maybe the things I can supplement are on my own. Maybe I'm reading a business yeah. book. I, I just didn't do that. Maybe I'm listening to a business pod or maybe I'm listening to uh, a self-help pod, for lack of a better term, to build my soft skills. I didn't do any of that. And I feel like I'm forever now trying to catch up on that. Um, so may, maybe that's like a, that, a that go between. Yeah, that right? I can relate to where it was. I feel like right now, most of what I'm trying to seek out is mm -hmm. things that I missed before. Yep. Yep. And so how are you doing that? Where are you finding that stuff? I'm becoming a reader, an avid reader. Um, Pretty amazing late into your 20s that yeah. you're becoming a reader. Yeah, weird. I just thought of it. It but. is weird. Um, okay. So what are you reading? That, that's been super helpful. So I just read, I just finished Atomic Habits. I just read it for the first time. Um, Austin gave me... Uh, radical candor. Yeah, awesome. I started that. Um, That's come up a few actually. times in the pod. Awesome. Yep. Um, I have been also flipping. You kind of flipped me on this and starting to listen to audiobooks. So I did um, do uh, do hard things. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was blanking. Yeah. And um, dare to lead by Brene Brown. That was one that I awesome. Was talk about, but yeah. Um, so that's kind of my, my shift outside of the podcast, but I kind of started that in grad school where it mm -hmm. was, that was a way for me to, to study while I exercise for better or for worse. But no, I think that that's awesome. And I think it's a way to just, you know, broaden your skill set and, and to, to be, to have a little bit more of a growth mindset where the things that make a successful sports PT is not sports PT. That's baseline. That's barrier yeah. to entry, right? What makes you a special sports PT is, what would you say? I think what makes you a special outside of sports PT, PT in general, is your ability to, to relate to people. You have to be able to talk to people. Your, your interpersonal skills have to be very high. You're dealing with people in vulnerable situations. It can't be a um, talking down or, or even a lack of confidence in yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and you, your ability to educate, like that's what we do. That's the most important part. Yeah. So if I can't, if you don't trust me, yeah. if you don't believe in me, you're never going to believe what I'm saying. Yeah. No one's going to get better. So yeah. that education piece, I think, falls directly into how how do you relate? Yeah, you're a teacher. We are teachers. Yes. And it you have to develop you have to develop and nurture buy-in and rapport. What the good news is, and, and I've flipped my outlook on this recently is you can improve on that. It is a skill just like picking up a guitar or just like learning anything new. It relating to people, connecting to people, you can work on, you can practice and you will invariably improve. Um, and I've seen you do it. I've seen all of our PTs do it. I love that this education, this mindset is really seeping through the company. It's nice to see where we're all trying to kind of pull ourselves up. I've learned more from you probably than vice versa. I I've disagree. But <laughs> and I, and I've certainly from, from the leadership that we have in place now is I've learned the leadership techniques from those leaders. Um, that's, that's been super eye opening to me. So I appreciate that from you. And, 
Um, I'm, I'm humbled by that to say the least. So looking back in the last two and a half years, now that you've kind of built up this clinic, um, you're ready to hire again. So shameless plug, if you want to work for us, find us, send us a resume. We'd love to have you if you're awesome and we want someone with a growth mindset. So make sure you're reaching out. And that's as easy as a simple DM. It is nuts the amount of DMs I now get that simply say two letters, P T, because that's all we want from an application, from an applicant, send us that. And then we'll walk you through like how to join our team. If you're a great fit. Um, I, I've seen that, that grow tremendously. And that's been really cool to see now that you've gotten the clinic to nice and busy, what would you say makes you a great clinic director? I think it's embracing a little, embracing being uncomfortable. Embracing and, the suck. Yeah, embracing <laughs> the suck. Yeah. Um, and, and what I mean by that is there are times when I think my team has looked to me and I've been able to pull through, right? But you, you never remember those. It's when your team looks to you and it's you don't have the answer mm -hmm. or things aren't going exactly the way that you envisioned. Um, kind of em embracing that aspect of, of how do I address this? How do I go forward? How do we not let it happen again? Yeah. And then kind of watching it, it sprout afterward. Yeah. What, what's the, what's the toughest it. conversation you've had as a clinic director that you weren't expecting? I'll tell you mine. How's that? Okay. I don't know if it's the toughest, but um, I had, I tend to get these phone calls from every once in a while where I have a parent that will call me and tell me, you know, my kid was rehabbing at your practice they went to another practice and you guys screwed up X, Y, Z true sports dropped the ball on whatever it was, whatever they think it was loading or change of direction. And the therapist that we're working with now, they told us that you totally missed this. How dare you take my kid and tell me that you're giving me the best. And I didn't actually get the best hearing that as a business owner, as a clinician, it's really painful. Yeah. It's really painful to hear. And I've definitely handled those conversations sometimes well and sometimes very poorly. I can very distinctly remember immediately jumping back and saying, yeah. whoa, ma'am, you're wrong. We did this. We did that. Your kid didn't do X, Y, Z. Looking at that now, that's the wrong way to handle that conversation. What I try now to lean on is I'm really sorry that this didn't have an outstanding outcome. I'm really sorry that your kid didn't make it back on the field when you thought they should or could or would have. I totally own that. And I apologize for that. How could we have done it better? And how can I make sure that this never happens again? I, that has led to more productive and learning conversations. Yeah. What did not lead to a good outcome was me fighting back and pushing back. So it's hard to say the patient is always right. Without question, I always have my therapist back or my clinical expertise back and thought process. Um, it's just a matter of how it's delivered is what I've learned. Okay, now that I've wasted your time with my answer, what's a, the hardest conversation you've had? 
Hey guys, quick pause and a quick shout out to this new masterclass that we just launched here at True Sports Physical Therapy. Myself and Dr. Tim Stone put together a masterclass of ACL rehab and we call it From Table to Turf. And the reason we call it that is because it's going to teach you exactly how to get your athlete all the way from post-op day one with the nitty gritty of regaining all of that range of motion with the tips and the tricks that we use here at True Sports Physical Therapy that gets our athletes better, faster, and stronger. And that's early. And then how do you progress that athlete all the way onto the field with a ball in their foot or a stick in their hand or whatever their sport is and teach them how to accelerate, how to decel, how to change direction, and all the mechanics that go in there. What drills do we use to get our athletes exactly where they need to be back on the field and even better than before injury? And I want you to sign up for that class. Now, you can find it on our website. You can shoot us a direct message and just say, hey, send me the course. It's right now on sale, so make sure you sign up now. It is fully accredited to get you all of your continuing education hours. Sign up for the True Sports Masterclass ACL from table to turf. Thanks, guys. I think I think the, the hardest conversation that I've had has to do with when directly we there was a little bit of where where is bear hills heading which direction is it heading and um trying to be open with with everybody on the team that everyone wants their own vision right um trying to to navigate how does it fit our collective vision versus your individual vision and then how can both of these collaborate and come together to make a a cohesive plan um I think conversations like that where it's, hey, maybe like you're at the forefront this week, but next week our, our marketing and targeted efforts need to be elsewhere. Um, navigating some of those can can lead to a, a little bit of frustration because it, it feels like from your teams like, oh, come on, I thought you had my back. It's like, yeah. I do have your back. Um, trust me. Yeah. Um, I promise it it will happen. It is happening, yeah. whether, whether it's directly in your line of sight or not. Yeah. Um, so navigating those conversations, I, part of it, I think, is not having many of them yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to how I'm going to handle it better next time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th I think it's a, it's an important outlook. It, it's it's kind of the tone you set. Now, it's a tone you set every day. Sometimes it's a tone you very deliberately set. to You sit your team down and say, hey, listen, here's the lens through which I'm going to manage. I'm going to manage with what is absolutely best for the patient and for true sports. Very often, looking at trying to achieve those two goals is also gonna benefit you. I'll give you an example. It is best for the patient to be treated one-on-one -on -one for 45 minutes. It is best for the company to provide that level of care that will create an outstanding venue for you to achieve your goals as a clinician. Sometimes it will feel like, my God, I, I'm treating one-on-one -on -one for 45 minutes, eight hours a day. I'm exhausted. Why, can, why am I not getting paid for my notes time? Well, you understand, therapist one, 
in order for us to pay you for your notes time, that's going to mean I'm going to try to pack all these patients into a short into a shorter day. You're going to spend less time with the patient. That might be better for you in the sense that I'm going to pay you for your notes time. It's going to be worse for the patient. Yeah. We're going to choose the patient in you order to, to do that. You have to. Um, and sometimes that doesn't jive with what that exact therapist wants to hear at that exact time. Yeah. In the long run, it, yeah, everyone's going to win. Everyone's going to win. And so it's just trying to kind of frame through which you will have those conversations. I think that that can maybe prep you for that next difficult conversation. I, I mentioned ways I would change some of my studies or preparation for my career to supplement it more on the business side. Some of the harder conversations I've had is negotiating a lease. Yeah. When the hell do you learn how to negotiate a lease in graduate school or with an undergrad degree in kinesiology? You don't. You don't. Those conversations can be difficult. But if you are looking through the lens through which you want to look, which is I want what's best for the company, I want what's best for the patient, the lease has to make sense to achieve those goals. If it doesn't, this is not me judging you, landlord, for what it is you're asking me, tenant, to pay. This is simply, it doesn't fit. Yeah. Or how can I make it fit? Yeah. How can I structure a lease to make it fit? And everything becomes a little bit less personal and incendiary when you look through that lens. It's no longer so triggering. Yeah, It simply is. Oh, that's gold. <laughs> it simply, it, it reminds me of my conversation um, with, with Ryan LaVarnway, who we recently had on the pod. Um, he has a philosophy background and he's a stoic. And we talked about it. It's just, it just is. It just is. It just is, right? And so when I have conversations with employees and they say, I want this amount of money. I deserve this amount of money. The conversation isn't, what you deserve or what you need, it is the performance that you're producing equates to this amount of compensation. Yeah. It works into the rubric or the framework of it's good for the company. It's good for the patient. It it's just is. It, yeah, it can it be, And is. it can be good for you. Yeah. yeah. But it just is. This is not me judging Zach Adams. It's me looking at Zach Adams' performance you can change Zach Adams' performance. Yes. Right? You don't have to because I think you're great at it. <laughs> um, but, but I think it's just a different lens. Okay. So first of all, you're killing this conversation uh, and podcast. You're doing awesome. Um, let's go a little bit off script. Okay. Just want to ask you a couple quick hitters. Okay. Okay. Um, who is the absolute best physical therapist? that you strive to learn from that does not work for true sports? I think it's a, a PT by the name of Mike Wynn. He was a CI of mine, but- How do you I, spell Wynn? N-G or with a W? W. Okay. Um, just because he, he kind of embodied what it, what it meant to be a lifelong learner. He's towards the end of his career, but has actively sought out his treatments today. Um, still continuing to take more con ed than the the minimum of 30 hours. Um, Where did you come into contact with Mike Wynn? Uh, from Sealands Grove. Shout out PA. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, 
he i actually was a basketball athlete under his regime love that studs love that yeah um (laughs) okay so former coach yes okay awesome um so good answer mike win everyone look up mike win um figure out where that guy is in pennsylvania okay next question most impactful book you've read in the last 10 years and you can't name any book that you already mentioned impactful to me now yeah um i think rise and grind was really good and it it was one that that why why was rise and grind great it was great not great if you're reading it at night because it kind of inspired me to (laughs) to take a uh more ambitious outlook on things uh it also was one of the first kind of business-esque books that i have read um I'm adding so that, it to the list, rise and grind. So that that changed kind of the course of of what I actively sought out to read. So that's yeah. why I think it was the most impactful to me. Cool. Dude, that's a hell of an answer. Good yeah. freaking answer. Um, if you could get a beer with one athlete, live or dead, it would be whom and why? Ooh, this is a tough one. There's just so many that I want to have a beer with, but um, I don't know. I think kind of the with the the fruition of his career, and I think it would be a a an awesome guy to have a drink with. Maybe Dion. I mean, I could do that. I think part of my answer was because I I want it to eventually maybe happen. So hell yeah. Okay, that's a good answer, and he's probably listening. So he'll probably for sure he's listening. He's definitely listening. Okay, good answer though. I have not heard that answer yet. Um, that's a that's a very good answer. Okay. Um, what position in professional sports requires the best athlete? In all of professional sports. I think it has to be to be a an, a basketball player. What position? Um, I kind of want to say. I think athletes would be your guards, point guards, but I mean, I can get disagreement there. But you have to compete with everybody, and I think that the if you just go statistically to make it to the NBA is way smaller than than most other sports okay fair i think that's true i think that's a good answer i would go shooting guard specifically because they're big and long they have to defend they have to shoot you have fine motor skill in your dribbling and your shooting you have gross motor skill in that they are the biggest and the fastest point guards do not fit that i know correct answer is shooting guard but they're twitchy and i love that shooting guards aren't as twitchy as what is a shooting guard not they are not. All right, fair enough. Shooting guard's the right answer. And if I said, who's the best athlete on a lacrosse field, you would say? Athlete or player? <laughs> athlete. I think it would have to be your, I mean, it has to be, a, if you're not talking like pro lacrosse, it has to be a midi. Someone and not a Fogo, someone who's going actually playing offense and defense. Okay, um, fair. Running the field. I think it's long stick. I think it's a long stick midi specifically. 
Yeah, I can see it. I can see your argument, but I think it's harder to do it with a short pole. So you're going to. Why is it harder to do a short pole? You have way more control over where that head is. You know exactly where it is. It's so much closer to you. There, it's a much smaller lever. They're usually not as big, right? The bigger LSM guys who know exactly where that head is and it's like 30 feet away from them, their ability to hit hard, to run fast and score, come on. They're, they're good, but I just don't. Uh, they're not as much of a scorer. Okay. And okay, fine. Not as okay. They're not as much. You're right. You're right. They're not as much. Okay. I'm sure we'll get tons of feedback. Um, please tell our world of sports physical therapists and the True Sports family how they get in touch with you. So, <laughs> you can email me Zach Adams at TrueSportsPT.com. Spell Zach. Z A C H. The, the right way. Correct way to okay, spell. Yes. Yeah. Um, on Instagram, Adams DPT underscore DPT. Yeah. Um, or you can look me up on LinkedIn too. Okay. Awesome. Um, you're insanely responsive. I think you're a wealth of knowledge. Um, two and a half years in to be doing what you're doing is something I would never imagine myself personally being able to do it two and a half years in. You are so much ahead of where I was clinically, professionally at this mark in your career. So kudos to you. Yeah, thank you. That uh, means so much. I really appreciate it. It is crazy what you're doing on the day to day. You live it and you breathe it. That's why you're in that chair. And that's why we're having this conversation. Thank you for an awesome conversation and some really nuanced and new knowledge. I appreciate you. Thank you to everyone listening. Quick shout out to what we're looking for when we're hiring. We're looking for Zach Adams. That's someone with a growth mindset. That's someone with the humility to know they don't know it all, but really stand on the principles that they do know and confidently articulate their plan and their path towards success. And that is you in a nutshell. So thank you, Zach. Um, thank you to all those who are listening. Thank you for all the support. We've been growing by leaps and bounds, both as a company and specifically as a pod. If you want to hear things differently, if you want different guests, let us know. True Sports PT across every platform, specifically on Instagram. If you want to work for us, just shoot us two letters, P t in a dm so we can consider you for employment at true sports physical therapy and just give us some feedback we love hearing from you we love growing check out our acl course we just launched our acl master class um, and it is awesome and unique and there is not another offering like it um, to sports physical therapists so check us out there as always guys thank you so much thank you zach adams yes thank you yoni yeah